know, when the Word of God, the Word of God is not something that we should take lightly, right? The Bible says that it is inspired by God and that it teaches us, it reproves us, it corrects us, it instructs us, and it thoroughly equips us unto every good work. So there's a good thing that God wants to do in you and I today, but how many of you know we've got to be good recipients, right? So I pray you're hearing today what the Word of God has to say. So today we're coming to the end of our latest series entitled Mending Fences. And look, over the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring the importance of boundaries, but boundaries, parameters that are set within our lives by the goodness of God, by what God designed to be at the crux, at the core of our lives. Now, just paralleling with fences, fences are important. How many of us know that? Fences limit access to our lives, to our homes, right? They provide coverage. They provide protection. And they have the potential also to beautify our landscapes, just on a very natural, practical level, right? But the same is true about our own lives. Fences, the parameters that we set in line with God's word, limit access to certain unwanted things, unwanted people even, right? They give us wisdom for that. They provide us coverage and privacy in certain certain areas of our lives that we need to protect. They also provide us coverage and protection from things that are unwanted. They keep certain things within our lives as well, and they also add value to our lives. But the opposite is also true. How we construct our lives, the parameters that we set for our lives, can also be destructive. Let me tell you what I mean by that. For some of us, they limit us from the people and the things that we need, right? They cover up certain things that need exposure and healing in our lives, things that we are hiding They protect hurts and negative things, and what we're actually doing is keeping ourselves trapped. They mar our lives with ugliness instead of beautifying them. And I want us to go back to a portion of Scripture that we've been looking at over the last several weeks. And I've been hammering these two portions of Scripture home because there's a lot of meat there. And we need to go back to it and consider it. I pray that you are not that person that hears the word and then walks away from it and forgets what the word shows you. That today you would listen to the word of God and that it would serve as a mirror and that you would let God speak to your heart. Listen to what Psalm 122 verse 6 says. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for my people. Pray for my chosen people. He says, may those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Listen, if you're lacking peace and security in your life, it's an indication that you are lacking God at work in your life. It's not that God isn't present. It's that you're limiting him. And so I pray that you're you're even gauging where you are in life right now. Are you walking in the peace of God? Do you feel secure in the hands of God or are you still fighting and striving to make it happen on your own, right? And so God has not only provided us an ideal for what our lives should look like within our fences. The word pray here is indicative of what our role is. The word pray here is more than just asking. It literally speaks of searching out, going on a journey and searching out. In other words, we play a part in this peace and security being within our fences, within the walls of our hearts. We should be actively seeking it, not passively seeking it. If this is fly by night, you get to church just whenever you can. My friend, let me suggest something to you. You are missing something great. Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure also is. And so we should be aspiring, seeking, driven to live with this peace and security. Which leads me to an important question for us to consider. How is it possible... How come there are so many today that desire peace and security in their lives but struggle to find it? We got to consider that. I want us to look back at Proverbs 24, and these are the words of a man who was considered the wisest man in his day. And he was wise because he sought God. 
He sought direction from God. And listen to what he says in Proverbs 24, 30. He says, I went past the field of a sluggard, a lazy person. He says, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds. The, the stone walls, the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. You know, I mentioned in a previous message that the sluggard started off with great intentions. I mean, this guy had fields. He planted a vineyard. He built stone walls. He had a plan for success. He was planning for success. So how is it that after going through the process of finding this property, buying it, and preparing it, we find him sleeping? The scripture says that he's slumbering. In the Hebrew, it literally speaks of dozing off. And when, it, and when we read that he, there was a little folding of the hands, it's literally alluding to the fact that he was idle in his efforts. After being busy building, after being busy planting and nurturing and tending and having all these plans, all of a sudden this guy falls asleep at the wheel of life. And I submit to you that the answer to our question of how it's possible for someone to live without the peace and security, to forsake it, is found in verse 30 where it tells us that this sluggard, he had no sense. He had no sense. Today I invite you to dig in, to press into God, to seek answers from God for your life. As we open up the doors, the fences of our lives and our hearts, and we consider what God's word has to tell us on the topic of the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom. I want you to hear clearly because this, this the original Hebrew phrase uh, when it says in Proverbs 24 that he had no sense gives us insight into what was actually going on with this sluggard. What was his dilemma? Notice that it says that, uh, that he had no sense. It means he was void of understanding. But if we're to appreciate what that means, we must understand that word understanding. It's the Hebrew word leb. And it means, it speaks of one uh, who, it, it speaks of an actual place. In other words, it's more than just the act of grasping the meaning of information. It's more than grasping knowledge. It's more than being educated about something. This, this place in a person is the place of the inner man. It's the place of reflection, the place where we think, where we make determinations. It's the place of conscious and emotions and passions. It also alludes to the place that's referred to as the seat of courage. In other words, while the sluggard had good intentions, good plans... He was built for success, and he had built strong stone walls. What lie beneath his fences was void of understanding. He was empty. He was empty. Now, in context, we have to consider that the book of Proverbs is a series of reflections inspired by the Holy Spirit in this man, Solomon. And they are all writings that point us to one main theme, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And so in light of that, what we see is that this man had a heart full of plans, but he was void of understanding the wisdom that God provides. Let me ask you a question. What role does the wisdom of God play in your life? How much does it factor into your decision making? Is it at the forefront of all your plans? Is it defining the way for your life? My friends, we have to consider this. 
Because if we're pursuing the knowledge of God, but we're not pursuing to know God personally, then what are we achieving? If all you know is what the Bible says, but you don't know God, you have no intimate connection or understanding of a personal relationship with God, what have we achieved? I submit to you, we've achieved nothing. You know, it reminds me of a story I once heard about the world's smartest man. You ever heard that one? You probably have if you've been here any length of time. I've probably shared it at some point. But the way the story goes, there's a plane that's about to crash. And there are four passengers on this plane, but there are only three parachutes in this plane. So the first passenger says, I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. And so he grabs a a parachute, a a pack. He jumps out the window, out the plane, and he parachutes. Second passenger quickly and frantically says, I'm a rocket scientist and I am the world's smartest man. My country needs me. This world needs me. He grabs a pack, straps it on, and he jumps out. The third passenger was Pope John Paul. And he said to the fourth passenger, who was a 10-year-old Boy Scout, Son, I'm old and frail. I've lived my life. You go ahead and take the pack. Take the last parachute. The little boy turns to Pope John Paul and he says, that's okay, sir. There are still two parachutes left. You see, the world's smartest man grabbed my book bag and jumped out the plane. Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you. You can have a backpack, a life full of ideas and plans and education and experience and knowledge You can even know the Bible inside and out. But if you are jumping into life without a personal and intimate wisdom from God, my friend, it's like jumping on a plane with a book bag that has no parachute. You will fall flat and you will experience great loss. What I want you to consider is this, that that's not God's will for your life. To whatever extent you're incorporating God in your life, I want you to understand that that is not God's desire. That you would fall flat in life. That you would have less than his best results. That you would live a life that falls far short of his promises. That is not God's will. And it's for this reason that we have to consider the wisdom of God. We must seek it out if we are to live with peace and security within our fences, within our heart. You know, people's tendency to forsake the wisdom of God is not something new. This started from the very beginning, the onset of creation. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles as we look to a moment in the life of a guy named Adam and Eve. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. I'm sorry, Uh, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband. Notice that Adam was there who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord, he called out to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. Guys, this is not a good idea. Just, just say it. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Ladies, not a good idea either. The serpent deceived me and I ate. You know, the failure of mankind from the onset of creation is still the same today. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Now, I know that at first glance it appears that Adam and Eve... They, where they went wrong was when they succumbed, when they, when they succumbed to their desire for the fruit of this tree, right? What, what they saw and, and the enticement. But actually, their, their, their demise came way before that. Let me tell you why I say that. Because they already had the instruction from God that provided them everything that they needed to succeed. But they forsook it. They set it aside. Do you know that every day you wake up, you have all the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus? As a matter of fact, you don't just have it in Christ. For some of us, you have it laying right next to your bed. You have it on your phone. We have the word of God. We have the instruction of God. Are you setting, are you setting it aside? Now, notice that the scripture tells us that the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals that the Lord had made. That word crafty there speaks of one who is cunning by way of shrewdness, prudence, and sensibility. In other words, this is a person who's clever and discerning in their awareness. They go to great lengths to understand their surroundings and what's going on. It also speaks of one who's careful in judgment and their restraint. They're calculated in how they do things. And it also speaks of one who shows rational sense. In other words, they appeal to common sense. Now what's interesting is that the enemy was crafty enough, had enough sense to not show up and say, Ta-da, I'm Satan and I'm here to destroy you. Listen instead what he did. He presented himself as one of the animals that God had created, which tells us something. If you look at Genesis 1, it tells us that when God created all things, that on the seventh day he looked on everything, he rested, and he said, it is all very good, which tells us something, that when Satan presented himself as a serpent, he didn't look like he posed a threat. As a matter of fact, he gave the appearance of one who came with good intentions. He came as one that God had said, here's a good one. It was a deception. And as a result, because Adam and Eve did not look beyond the outward appearance of what he presented, they forsook the wisdom of God and they bought the lie. Can I tell you that the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of men, all comes under the appearance of something good. It appears good. It sounds good. Man, it is too good to be true. Everything is just falling in line. It's falling in place. This has to be God. But have you ever stopped to seek the wisdom of God? Or are you like I used to be, and sometimes I've, I can make this mistake still. Well, you're such in a rush to just, man, just go after it. And you don't pause. You don't stop to see what God's word tells you. Don't make a move without wisdom from the word of God. I was in a conversation recently and I was just bringing up to somebody, this is the language that God speaks, his word. The Spirit of God is going to speak to you according to the Word of God. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind you of all things that I have shown you, that I've taught you, that I've told you. It's all in His Word. And if you don't have a Word from God, then you don't have wisdom for life. 
So you see, this teaches us something that any wisdom apart from the wisdom of God is no wisdom at all. It's not wisdom. Listen, your feelings, your ideas, your reason, your thought process, your plans that do not keep God and his instruction at the center of your efforts will always lead you to wrong results. Always. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So here's a question, my friend. Why would you attempt to live life without God's wisdom? Why? Why? So I want to share some thoughts with you here as it pertains to maintaining peace and security within our walls according to God's wisdom. The first thing I want to encourage you with is this one statement. Don't place the pursuit of desires above the attainment of God's wisdom. I'm going to say that again. Do not place the pursuit of desires above the attainment of God's wisdom. You know, Adam and Eve made the crucial error that many make today. They believed that there was more to know and pursue than the wisdom of God. They believed that there was something extra above the wisdom of God. And what we see is that this erroneous belief led, that, led to the birth of desires to something that was an illusion. They came to believe that they weren't like God. They came to believe that God was withholding something from them. You know when you go off on your own, when you believe that God's withholding something from you? That's when we go out on our own. That's the way of error. They came to believe that the rationale and reason of the serpent provided them greater wisdom than God's. You know, when we don't consult the word of God, what we're really saying is this. There's wisdom somewhere else above God. That's a dangerous place to live life from. You see, Eve saw the fruit and it appeared good in her eyes. And so she took it and she ate. She got what she wanted, but listen, she did not get what she expected. Now, had she relied on the wisdom in God's prior instruction, if she had just stuck to what God told her, if Adam had just stuck to what God told him, they would have known that this was a trap that would lead to their demise. Listen, Eve knew what the result was going to be. She did. God told her clearly. They both did. But she put greater value on the false wisdom that the enemy gave her. Can I tell you, my friends, we've all done that. And if we're not careful... We're subject to fall to that, to that deception. Therefore, we must live lives full of the wisdom of God. See, like Adam and Eve, you may seek, you may even accomplish your desires and plans apart from God's wisdom. But it will never be what you expected. It will never be what you expected. You ask the person that put money in place of God. How's that working out for you? Oh, got tons of money, got tons of problems. It's never enough. See, the money you thought that would bring you security and peace didn't because it's never enough. The people you put your hopes in for peace and security failed you because they're just as much in need of what you're seeking from God. They can't give it to you. The possessions that we acquire, they don't give us peace and security because while they may fill our homes, they never fill our hearts. They don't. They don't. Don't buy the alluring lies of Satan by way of what you see in people and this world. 
Who told you you have to keep up with the Joneses? Show me that in God's word. Who told you that you can't live life content with your family and with what you need? Who told you that it's about what you want? It's deception. It's an enemy, but you know what? Man, that car shows up and it sure looks pretty. Those people you want to be around, man, they sure look happy. Those things that you desire, man, you know, there's a reason why they get all that airtime on TV. They pop up on your phone. It's the deception. It's the allure of things that are meant to take the place of God in your heart. It's a trap. In Proverbs chapter 4, starting at the second half of verse 4, Solomon says this. He says, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. She will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. This is how wisdom begins. Get wisdom. Did you get that? You got to chew on that for a while. Here's the beginning of wisdom. Get it. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. So according to the richest king documented in history and the wisest man of his time, Solomon says that the source of all advancement for life begins with prioritizing the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Solomon says that the beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom, not get opinions. He says get wisdom, not degrees. He says get wisdom, not accomplishments. Get wisdom, not experience. My point with that is this. He says focus solely on getting wisdom, the wisdom of God. And at all costs, once you get that wisdom within your grasp, he says, then go at all costs to understand it. To apply it. To work it into every area of your life. My friends, we can read the word of God and see the wisdom of God in it. But we can't stop there. We have to understand it. And to understand it, we have to see how it applies to our lives and how we are to apply it. You know where most of us have a tendency of going wrong? We see the wisdom in God's word. It appeals to our rational common sense, our minds. We desire it. But then we walk away from it. And we forget it. We don't apply it. What good is it to have all the wisdom of God and not wisely apply it? My friend, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. Second thing I want to leave you with here is that there is none as empty of wisdom as one who is full of himself. There is none as empty of wisdom as one who is full of himself. Listen, Adam and Eve went on a personal pursuit to get something for themselves. What God has provided isn't enough. That's where they were. It's not enough. I need to go and experience this for myself. I need to go try this. After all, if I don't try, I'll never know. They had no need of knowing what evil was. They had no need of knowing anything outside the wisdom of God. 
Their desire for more turned out to be a desire for what was actually less. And it led them to build a fence. Genesis 3 tells us that after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. Now here's what's interesting. You've got to study this out on your own time. But that word naked in the Hebrew doesn't just speak of being physically naked. It also speaks of recognizing that you are helpless. They understood, I'm helpless. So listen to this in context of the scripture. When God says, who told you you were naked? Listen to what he's questioning. Who told you you were without help? Where did you get that from? Do you see what happens when we forsake the wisdom of God? We get to the place where we believe God, God can't help me. And what they did was they tried to cover it up. You know, we do that real well in some churches today. We cover up behind our fig leaves. We put on suits. We smile. We talk a good one. We act well. But here's the thing. God sees behind your fig leaf. He loves you enough to tell you, I see what you're trying to hide behind that fence. And I'm, I'm reaching out to you and I'm telling you, listen, that's not true about you. And so he reached out to them. That's the love of God. But listen, God wanted them to have wisdom, although they forsook it. And so Adam and Eve did more than cover their naked bodies. They were attempting to cover their shame and their emptiness. They were trying to cover from God, to keep from God the fact that they understood that in and of themselves they were helpless. You know, you can push away from God when you believe that way. But th this, this choice of theirs brought exposure to the fact that they made a poor choice to choose themselves above God. And it left them living in shame and trying to hide it. Listen to what James 3.16 says. It says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Listen to what the scripture's saying. From the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve went in pursuit of their own selfish desires, their lives came out of order. They were aligned with the will of God. They lived in perfect harmony, in perfect relationship with God and with each other and with all creation. They walked in authority, in dominion. They had purpose. They were fulfilled. But the moment they took first place above God, things got out of order. And according to what we see in James 3.16, it produced every kind of evil. So I want to encourage you, instead of going in pursuit of selfish desires that appear wise, but they're really about you, about me, about us, Pursue God's wisdom above all. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't pray according to Ephesians. I say, Lord, enlighten the understanding of my heart. Help me see in my heart to perceive the truth in your word and to discern clearly according to your word in all matters that pertain to life. May that be your heart's desire. God, I want to know you and your ways above all. I just want to walk there. Can I tell you, 
that's the place of your greatest success? Stay there. Listen to the words of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 6. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, I want you to consider the wisdom in these words. If we are to partake of God's wisdom as a harvest that is bountiful, what Paul is revealing here is that we must approach life similarly to a hardworking farmer who gets the opportunity to reap the very best from his harvest. See, this farmer is like the soldier whose focus is not on the affairs of civilians. You know why? Because he's now enlisted in the military. His world revolves around his orders. His world revolves around his mission, his thinking, his purpose, his destiny. Everything that he does revolves around the one above him and the mission before him. He doesn't get entangled with civilian pursuits. He focuses on pleasing and following the one who has enlisted him into service. This farmer that reaps the first fruits of the harvest is like the athlete who follows the rules that define how he can win. You can win, but you have to follow what the scriptures tell you. See, we can't win in life without the wisdom of God unless we stay within the parameters that it provides for us. Look, this is practical truth, but it's worth applying. I have a question for you. When you leave here today, what will you do with the wisdom of God? What will you do from this point forward differently? What will you change? How will you reprioritize your life? Otherwise, all we did was hear what the scriptures say and dismiss the wisdom of God like Adam and Eve. I want to leave you with two quick points here. I'll wrap up. The wisdom of God provides us protection. Listen, when Adam and Eve were operating according to the wisdom contained in God's instruction, they lived in peace and security. But the moment they entertained another voice, that provided an alternative wisdom that gave the appearance of greater wisdom than God's. It all blew up. They became defenseless. So you might wonder, where was God at the fall of mankind? And the answer to that is, he was right there. Because his wisdom was already present. They already knew what they had to do. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12. It says, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. It provides you a covering. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. There's a difference. See, the moment you forsake God's wisdom, what we see is you also forsake his protection. You forsake his protection. We see in, these verse, in this verse that wisdom, like money, provides us coverage. But only God's wisdom can provide us protection. Now, we live in a world system and have an enemy that necessitates for us to live under God's protection. And I want to encourage your heart with something. For some of us, we pray for protection. We say, God, please protect me. God, please keep me from the evil one. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to consider that what you should be praying for and seeking is God's wisdom. Why? Because when you walk in God's wisdom, you already walk under his protection. 
I like the way another portion of Scripture puts this. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. The wisdom of God. Jesus provides us a different perspective to the power of God's wisdom in Matthew 10, verse 16. He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know, sheep have no protection against wolves. You know that, right? Unless they walk according to the wisdom of the shepherd. Listen closely. Wisdom according to the words of Jesus, is like the insight that a serpent has. Though a serpent is practically blind, it literally cannot hear. Though it can't see and it can't hear, by its ability to perceive its surroundings according to the vibrations that it feels on the ground, by its excellent sense of smell, and by its tongue that's always flickering and picking up on chemicals called pheromones, they understand everything that is going on around them. They are perceptive of their entire surroundings. You know, in the same manner, only God's wisdom can provide you insight into the spiritual and physical circumstances around you. My friends, let me tell you something. You, we, we have a tendency to be moved by what we see, by what we feel, by what we touch, by what we're told, by what we've experienced. And if we're only operating according to these physical senses, you are dismissing the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God helps you see what's behind the attack. The wisdom of God helps you to see what's to come. The wisdom of God gives you strategy and insight as to how to operate in certain circumstances. The wisdom of God. The last point I want to leave you with here is this. It's that God's wisdom leads us to mend our fences with people. Now I want you to hear where I'm coming from with this. The sluggard and Adam and Eve all had one thing in common. They all had what was necessary. They had the resources. They had the ability to succeed. The ingredients were there. But I want you to notice something, that at their fall, we find each one of them alone. They were operating alone. Listen closely. The sluggard had all these lands. He grew a vineyard. He built strong walls. But what we find in the scriptures is that he had no one by his side. Adam was created in God's image. He was authorized to walk in dominion on this earth, to function as God in the earth himself, reflecting the very image of his creator. But when Satan showed up, we find him silent, we find him absent while present, and we find him distant from Eve. He's there, but he's absent. Eve was created in God's image. She was created to co-labor with Adam in taking dominion. She was his helpmate. She was his co-equal. She was his partner in bringing about God's plan to populate the earth with people that reflected his image and his likeness. That when Satan showed up, we find her entering and entertaining a plan that violated the very wisdom of God. And watch what we notice about Eve. Not once did she turn to Adam. She's alone. The reason why I share that with you is because God has provided you and I a life full of promise but it is absolutely unwise it is ungodly according to the scriptures to pursue this journey of life with God apart from his people let's stand here today Proverbs 24 verses 5 and 6 says this it says the wise prevail through great power and those who have knowledge 
master their strength, muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war. Listen to this. And victory is won through many advisors. I want you to see that God's will is that you and I prevail with great power. That we function with great strength from within. But to do that, we need guidance. To win, we need wise counsel. The wisdom of God cannot flourish in a place of seclusion. You know, we've gotten to a place in this world where it is acceptable and considered normal to be distant. And I want to encourage you to see the ploy of the enemy because it's all presented under a plan of protection. It's all good and it's not. Don't let this life become one where you become convinced that it is okay for you to live it and walk it alone. That is the deception of the enemy. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. As a matter of fact, now is when we need each other more than ever. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say something else before we close here. You know, there are people that are living this life alone. As a matter of fact, you know some of them. Maybe you live with them. Maybe they're family, friends. But they're walking alone, pursuing a wisdom that is not wise at all. And I want to just call to your attention that the scripture says that you and I are ambassadors. That we are called to bring light to dark places. We are containers and carriers and disseminators of the wisdom of God. And so I want you to do something. I want you to apply that wisdom and begin to pray for those that you know that are lost. I want you to begin to reach out to people and encourage them. Don't preach down to them. Meet them where they are. Listen to their story. Share your, his story, which is his story working in your life. And begin to reach out to those that need Christ. There's wisdom in that. And then I want you to do this. Bring them. Bring them with you. Bring them here. I'm going to tell you why. Because there's safety and security in the hearing of the word of God. And you and I can do that together. Amen. Don't do this alone. And don't leave one alone either. Let's do what God's called us to do. Let's embrace the wisdom of God. Father, we thank you this day for your word. It is truth. It is alive. It is active. And today... It speaks directly to our hearts. Lord, in the hearing of your word, here's what we know to be completely true. We need your wisdom. More than money, more than people, more than things, more than accolades, more than accomplishments. We need your wisdom and your wisdom only, Lord. And so, Lord, in the hearing of your word, right here, right now, right there, in that place where it's you and God, declare that to God. Draw the line, make that commitment that, God, I want your wisdom above anything else. I will pursue your wisdom above anything else. I will treasure your wisdom above anything else. Now, it's possible there's someone here today, maybe you're joining us online, and you've been pursuing things that glitter, but you're realizing they're not gold. They leave you empty. They leave you unfulfilled. They leave you wanting while not knowing what it is that you need. If that's you, my friend, I submit to you that what you are recognizing right now, what you're tapping into is your need for God. You need his wisdom. You need relationship with God. You've been doing this alone, and today my prayer and my hope is that you realize that God does not want you to exist alone, but he wants to walk with you. 
He wants to speak with you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to teach you. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. And it doesn't take you trying to make yourself any better for God. It simply takes responding to God by saying, God, all I need is you. I desire you. If that's what you sense today, that's what you recognize you need to do, here's the first thing you need to know. That God in all his wisdom loved you so much that he enacted a plan that no one could come up with. He saw our emptiness. He saw the issue that drove all our problems. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem is the issue called sin. And God looked upon mankind and he said, there's an issue there that they can't resolve. No one can pay the price for this sin. It's too high. But me alone. And so here's what he did. He said, I'll become a man. I'll pay the price and assume the guilt of sin as a man. And I will die because of it. But then I will rise again as a champion. A champion that leads people in a triumphal victory. A champion who opens a door where there was none. And my friend, today, if you believe that in your heart, I want you to reach out to God. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to open your heart. I want you to say, God, I need you. God, I want your wisdom. God, you're all I desire from this point forward. I've tried everything else. I've been there. I've done that. But today I recognize my need for you. Pray this with us if that's you. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin. You died and you rose again. And so this day I declare that you are my champion, that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior in God, and that from this day forward, I'm pursuing you. I'm trusting you. I have a new life with your wisdom before me. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.